Okay, so I'm, let me read this. Uh, here we go. <laughs> you know, you have to imagine really like beautiful classical music being played underneath this. You have to add that later. Okay. Welcome to Hometown Hollywood Podcast, where you can find advice, inspiration, and strategies for success from talented people that are making a name for themselves inside the film industry, but outside of the major film cities. Here's your host, Travis Myers. Huh? I got it's chills. It's got like an NPR vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Travis Myers, and this is the Hometown Hollywood Podcast. Today's guest is John Paul Summers, a director and cinematographer from Abbeville, Louisiana. I've had the pleasure of getting to know JP over the past year or two. He's a genuine, down-to-earth guy, and I consider him one of my mentors, whether he knows it or not. He's known for his work on a Paul McCartney music video, several other music videos, uh, the best satellite college commercial ever created, uh, the LSUE ad, uh, his first feature Sunday Girl with director Peter Ambrosio, and short films like Today You, Tomorrow Me, directed by Chris Neal, and his own short film that he directed, When It Matters Most. In this interview, he tells about his experience making his first feature film, Sunday Girl, what it means to be an artist, and how to develop connections in the film industry. If you're wanting to get into the film industry or level up where you are in the film industry and need some inspiration, you're going to want to save this podcast so you can reference back to it. You can definitely tell that this is my first interview slash podcast with some of these stupid things that I say. But uh, if you skip past that and listen to JP and what he has to say, you're going to get some value out of this. So let's jump into the interview. JP, welcome to the show. Thank you, Travis. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so uh, JP, the DP, or JP, the director, or artist formerly known as JP, the DP. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. I am. Yeah, it's good. I'm just hanging out at home, spending a lot of time at home. Uh, during the quarantine, obviously. Very good. Um, it's a fun time being in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it's definitely it's it's been it's been an experience for sure. <laughs> some <laughs> some positives, some negatives. You know, learning more about yourself, all of that good stuff. You know, <laughs> I just realized <laughs> what I said was the worst <laughs> possible thing you could say about. <laughs> Quarantine and uh, this oh, terrible man. pandemic that's going on, but I'm gonna keep it in the show because why not? Yeah. Um. So I, this is how I wanted to start. I remember now. I finally watched Sunday Girl. Thank you, dude. And I wanted to tell you about how I watched it. Uh, I loved it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but when I so the other day I was. DJing for my wife's little sister's birthday party. And when I mean DJ is I got a Spotify playlist and I plugged it into a speaker. Yes. Uh, But after I got home, it was kind of late and my house is kind of old. So every uh, place there can be a door, there is a door and a lot of them lock. So I got locked out of the hallway to go into the bedrooms and my wife wasn't answering her phone. And it was like 12 o'clock at night. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to watch Sunday Girl. <laughs> and I did. And it was a wonderful experience. And well, thank uh, you so much. It gave me, because I just watched this movie for the first time ever. There's a bunch of movies that I haven't seen that I need to see. And one of them was American Graffiti. And I thought, 
it gave me a lot of American graffiti vibes because it's it's not your typical movie, but there's just the way it looks. It feels like just a uh, hour and a half long painting, and uh, the characters are mm-hmm. they're <laughs> they're very detailed, incredible, incredible actors, uh, and I would just it's a very intellectual humor kind of piece, and I was very into it. Well, dude, thank you for, I mean, thank you. That's so kind of you to say. I mean, I feel it was, uh, I loved the movie. I loved working on the movie. It was really special experience. Um, really proud of the work and it was, you know, it's my first proper feature film, you know, yeah. uh, narrative feature film. And it was, I'm really, yeah, it's kind of got, it's got a vibe, right? I like it. <laughs> I think people should watch it. It's it's um it's interesting like I really love having a movie out in the world. It's that's been really fun like to go on Rotten Tomatoes or Letterboxd or whatever and read strangers reviews, you know, like people who hate it and people who are like like it and people who are like it sucked but I love it. <laughs> it's like I don't know, it's cool. It's fun have it's like a dream come true in a sense to have like a little tile on Amazon prime that people can some, you know, the idea that some stranger somewhere is, you know, watching something you made, uh, as a movie is pretty cool. For sure. For the people that did give it negative reviews, um, they're entitled to their opinion, but they're wrong. Uh, but I really, no, it's, it. I, I really love it. Yeah. It's a special little movie. I think if, if it's the kind of thing you're into, like if you're into like a lot of dialogue and like, uh, you're into, like you said, sort of like heady intellectual Shakespearean rom-com new wave thing, <laughs> then I think you'll really like it. It's, and you're going to fall in movie. love, but it was a lot of fun. The main character it. will yeah. tell you not to. And yes. to tell you, I love the blue bell at the end, especially being from the South. Uh, the, <laughs> every person had a tub of blue bell. That was, uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but uh, that was one of my favorite parts. Um, well, thank could you, you uh, talk about how that, just a little bit about how that came to be with Peter Ambrosio? Is that how you say his last name? Yes. So Peter Ambrosio is the writer and the director of sunday girl and um he's a good friend of mine he and i became friends i have so when i first got into i started dping in like 2015 in 2016 i was like i really need to get out to la and i don't know why that was just like the thought i need to get out to la and try and get on a set or something because i didn't really know how much of this really worked and i was learning everything about cinematography from like YouTube and podcast and all of that stuff. Right. Um, and so I went out to LA. My cousin was in a rock band, Young Blood Hawk, which is uh, they're actually a really cool band. And they, um, he's a guitarist in that band. And his girlfriend at the time was co-directing, co-writing this pilot that they were shooting in his house. You know what I mean? Okay. And I was like, I will come do anything for free to just for a plane ticket to go out, you know, if y'all need anything. So they hired me to second AC. I didn't even know, honestly, what a second, I second AC did. I didn't, I hadn't been on sets that had second. AC. <laughs> I still don't. So um, a, a second, <laughs> so the second AC is, well, the second AC is the one who, uh, 
charges all the batteries, does all the cards, but most importantly, does the slate, um, and you know, calls out the the slate and all that stuff. So I was calling out the slate. I didn't know. I was asking everybody, like, "Hey, how do I do this?" Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but the, the so Peter, who was Peter, who was, I sort of like really liked his directing approach. You know what I mean? Like it was the first time I think I had seen somebody who like just was like super sure about what they wanted and like had a, a really clear vision like um just the way he interacted with the directing process so i was like i really want to work with this guy um and so i was at the time i had my video production company infinite focus and we were doing you know local production work and we had a trailer and a red camera and and i had told Peter, I said, you know, Hey dude, you should come make a movie with me and and laugh yet, you know, make a short film or something. So he sent me this short film, uh, Sunday girl, which was 40 pages. And I really loved it. And we were going to get some money together. I think something like $20,000 to try and do this short film. And I was, and it was 40 pages. And I was like, dude, just, um, do you think you could make it like 80 pages if we could, just do a feature for $20,000. That's sort of like how Sunday girl came to be. And then he did extend it to a feature. We ended up finding more funding, but we made the movie, um, for a very, what I consider to be a pretty low, uh, budget. Um, and we shot it in 10 days straight. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was, I don't know. It was a real sort of like, just, we, decided we were going to make a movie and we went for it and it was fun. It was great. And I, it, and I really actually, I love, I love what it, what it became. Um, and it, it's been, it's ha- held a dear place in my heart. That's a, that's a pretty incredible story. How many pages a day is that to shoot? So that was, it turns out being right around eight pages a day, eight pages a day, um, which is a lot. I mean, it's like, it's, it was, I mean, we were clever in how we structured it. Like it was basically boiled down to one location a day, most days Okay. where you could like show up, shoot everything at that location and then move on. And we sort of like, we were able to do, I think we had 15 minutes of overtime in the whole schedule. Like we, we stuck to our 12 hour days and with decent turnarounds, like tried to keep it as humane as possible, I guess, you know? I think that might be the most impressive thing is that <laughs> 15 minutes of overtime with the with that kind of schedule. Well, I don't know, man. I really don't like, I think it's already so taxing to do a movie no matter what that like, I, I really don't like that thing where like you do a 16 hour day with a four hour turnaround. And like, I feel that's like borderline, it's like unsafe and, borderline abusive i don't like that uh that's one of the things about like the industry that i definitely am like oh i definitely i don't want to do that ever you know whatever that is uh it's hard it's hard though because like we've had i think on our last movie we definitely did some 14 hour days you know what i mean we definitely did some turnarounds that were too short it was definitely like brutal in that way I, I I don't know. I, I would love to get to the point where it's like you have some time to actually spend some time on the nuance of the thing. I feel like the <laughs> movies I've done have been like 
boom, like get in and (laughs) get everything you need as fast as you can uh, because you do not have enough time to do everything kind of thing. So it's uh, hopefully that is Sunday Girl was like that. I'm really impressed by that because I've DP'd just a a couple short films and they seem to all be like what you said, borderline unsafe and abusive with the 16 hour work days. So uh, I think that's maybe one reason I appreciate it so much. Cause like you get two days of shooting and you feel like death. Well, as a DP now, I, I don't do it. Like I, I'm not going to do a 16 hour day. Like, especially if it's like a music video or some like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, especially if we're not getting paid handsomely for it or something like, I, I remember the, I remember the, I was on a music video and I was like, this is the last time in my life I'm ever doing this, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like I was like, because my, my AC like was suffering, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and it's, and it's like, I I don't want to be this guy's slave driver. You know what I mean? Like for this (laughs) music video, that's not my idea of like a good time. I don't know. That's good Um, to know that you're considerate with other people on set as well. Because (laughs) I never heard that analogy before, but uh, that's a, that seems so true. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't like that, man. I want to do like, I want to do this. The The fantasy for me is this French hours, like eight hour days. The Coen brothers do these eight hour days from what I've heard of. Um, five day weeks, eight hour days. Uh, with a siesta in between. Maybe I'm into it. That's the fantasy. Before your eight hour days, let's go back uh, <laughs> a little further. <laughs> um, so, so now we've know that you've done, a feature and you've done mm-hmm. quite a few other projects. How did you get your start into the film production world? Uh, did you always know that this is what you wanted to do? Did you find it by accident? Did you go to film school? Uh, take us on that journey. Well, I think, I think I was like a lot of other kids our age that had a video camera and liked movies and would make you know, little movies with my friends and stuff. And then I definitely in high school fantasized about going to film school in New York. That was like sort of the, um, the dream. Yeah. I didn't do that. I went to my local university and asked if they had film classes. They didn't. And so I took broadcasting. They said was the closest thing. Um, I was at one school. I took a year to go to a local community college that had some more sort of like film like proper film, like editing and you would actually make a short film or make a commercial or something. Um, and I bought a DVX and a Mac pro when I was at that community college and started shooting wedding videos and, um, football highlight videos for a local high school and like would pick up, uh, gigs with my DVX 100, a and at the time I, I i didn't think of myself as like a filmmaker i didn't think of myself even as like a i thought of like i could make some enough money to pay off this equipment like it was like sort of like hobby plus kind of thing you know um yeah. and then it was it became a way for me to sort of make some side money eventually i was actually in ministry out of college i was a youth minister at a local church and then I grew up as a Catholic missionary um, and was like super involved in the Catholic world and then kind of wanted to get out of that world and get into 
doing some more video stuff and I had a skill set for it. I was making money on the side doing that. And uh, one of the guys that I had sort of had subcontracted me out to do this high school football highlight video um, offered to hire me on his video production company. They owned a local video production company and I still actually work with this guy um, to this day. Like mm-hmm. he and I will, uh, like if he, he'll bring me into direct stuff or to shoot stuff or to help him with a project. Um, but he was super generous, got me and gave me a video editing job. And that was in 2011, 2012. So Vimeo had like sort of started to blossom and the 5D was out and the 7D was out and um, the DSLR. And I, you know, had this thought like, man, I should just get a, I should just get a DSLR and go do it myself, you know, go start my own video production company. And um, because I didn't, even at this time, I still really had no clue how the sausage was made on like an actual film set or commercial set like i didn't know commercials had directors and cinematographers and producers and hired actors and like i didn't even like i guess i sort of knew it in a loose sense but i wasn't like i remember thinking like how are they making it look this good like what is the difference between do you know what i mean like why is this commercial so good you know that's always been a driving force for me. It's like, why the heck does my stuff suck in comparison yeah, to this exactly. other thing? I mean, they're shooting with cameras, right? Right, exactly. And so you yeah. sort of like start to put the pieces together. And that started to happen for me in 2012. Um, and I started Infinite Focus and started doing these corporate videos. Um, and my first client, who actually is still a client of mine, just got off the phone with him before this interview, actually. Um, I still do work for him. And, uh, my first client was like a, a corporate, like a, like a sort of video for a startup, you know what I mean? To sort of like pitch them as a company. Right. Um, and I got paid 4,500 bucks at the time I was, I, I just had my second son, Oliver, and was making something like $24,000 a year. You know what I mean? Um, sort of yeah, paying rent and trying to you know survive uh, survive (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i still feel like i'm in survival mode like even today you know um but so when i did my first video i remember i made 4500 bucks to do this video and i was like whoa (laughs) you know like it was two it was two months worth of living expenses that i made in a week And I was like, and I was so stoked to like, I had total creative control. You know what I mean? Like I would, was coming up with all these ideas of how to make it cool. And like, I was doing all the After Effects motion graphics myself. And we were like doing this like green screen stuff and trying to make it look like Iron Man or some (laughs) like super like, I'm, you know, if I showed it to you now, it would not be very impressive. But at the time it was like very, very exciting. Like I remember when I, got started it was just like man i just want to make it good like i just want to make good cool stuff you know like if like like i just want to do the best that i can do like be like have just i don't know make it as good as you can um and so that was sort of the that was the impetus of of uh, started getting other videos and then i picked up a you know a part-time job as a catholic school teacher for a while teaching 
high school students at this small Catholic school. Very good. At least it's a related field. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but, and, and that was actually a really great experience. And then ended that ended in an interesting way and sort of like went full freelance in 2014. And since then I've been full free, well, 2015, I guess. And that's sort of when I started, um, I think, I think when I, the last time I had like a job job was that as a teacher, and when I quit there, um, I think it was like, I think that's when I realized that like, I kind of had to just go for it. And when I, when I decided to go for it, I had started listening to the Wandering DP podcast and was like, had sort of like thought like, man, I need to, I think I want to be a cinematographer. I think that's what I want to do. Um, Cause I was a one man video guy, one man band video guy. And so I just started calling myself a DP. I did a music video with a friend of mine, Logan LeBlanc, who's still, who he shot the uh, commercial that I just directed, my sort of directorial debut commercial. Okay. Um, and he, he, I met him at community college. He's my oldest film friend and he's a cinematographer and a director and he's super, super talented, um, and a beautiful human being and hilarious. Um, but so so anyway, I did that music video and then sort of like, you know, spent 2015 was the first time I got hired, paid money to to DP something. And then my DP career sort of gained a momentum that having a video production company locally never really did. You know what I mean? Yeah. The um the local video production company thing, I think I'm not actually very good of a business person, I think is one thing that I've uh learned about myself, um, which is unfortunate. And I hope that I hope that I could partner with people who can help me sort of learn more about the business side of life. But <laughs> I think that that I never um it just never like what I thought would happen is I would make a bunch of really great local content and then people would call me to make their commercials locally. That's what I assumed would happen. I think you that's know what, what I mean? a lot of people think. It's, I mean, that's been in my yeah. mind for a while. Like if I could just make my own production company, then I will have made it. And I think people I've talked to, that's kind of their, their thing. Like if we make enough films, we could do our own production company. And that just seems like to, yeah. to be the end goal. But Well, the, the thing that happened was the first time that that happened to me was as a cinematographer. You know, like the first time where it like, uh, my phone started ringing, let's say, or like people started reaching out to me for work um, because of the work was in cinematography, you know? And I really developed like a passion for cinematography once I started DPing. And the more I learned about it, it became a, almost like a spiraling vortex of, it, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's, it's, um, very like intellectually stimulating and there's like a ton of career challenges. And, um, I think I just sort of like went for it hard as a DP because it felt like there was like a momentum and the universe was sort of like opening doors in that direction. Um, and began really focusing on, on trying to shoot work that really turned me on, you know? Yeah. Um, and that eventually, um, that led me through the couple of features that I've done, a bunch of short films, um, tons of commercials, 
Uh, I feel really fortunate that the past couple of years, actually, like the first time I've had something like financial stability in my in my adult life, <laughs> you know, like um, it's and it's still like I mean, right now we're in a in a global pandemic, so it's 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 like spotty at best, but like sure. um, it's still tricky to figure out. But I I feel really fortunate that it seems as though I've been able to develop something like a career as a cinematographer. That's, that's been incredibly rewarding and, um, has led me to now want to pursue directing a hundred percent, you know? So you were able to develop over just shooting stuff for a while. Um, I know that connections like you met, uh, Peter Ambrosio and you, um, reached out to some other directors. I mean, Christian Schultz has been a collaborator of mine and friend of mine, Max Haben, Abe Felix, Chris Neal, Josh Swope, Orion Luther, Orion and Luther, uh, Orion Eschel and um, Luther Clayton. They're two young directors that I collaborated with last year. I just collaborated with this guy. I mean, dude, as a DP, that's the amazing thing is you get to meet so many uh, so many directors, you know, right. people doing uh, interesting work. I've been really, really fortunate to meet a lot of people um, who have. I feel like I feel like what you want as a as a creative person or as an artist or as a DP or whatever it is is you want somebody who's going to want you to give it everything you've got, you know, and who's going to give you something worth giving it everything you've got. Um, and finding work like that where someone is in it for the right reasons and just wants it to be great and it is is allowing you to make it as great as you can together that's you know that's addictive that's what you those are the kinds of people you want to try and you want to try and work with if you can as uh someone who personally struggles with networking like I'll I'll I guess I'm naturally kind of a shy person and then I'll just force myself to go reach out to somebody. Are you the kind of person that has like an active approach to networking with these directors? Or are you just, I'm, well, just from knowing you, I know you're a people person. Or do you think you're at a point where your work just speaks for you and you don't even have to seek out people? Or do you, is it a combination of both? I, I think the hope is that people reach out to you for the work. This is what I'll say about the networking. I feel like Everybody has a different personality. Everybody has different things that are important to them. You're going to mesh with certain directors that I don't mesh with. You're going to, everybody is so different. You know what I mean? I don't think it's, it's not realistic to like apply what works for someone else when they have a completely different story. Um, I think it's about we're human beings and people want to, if, if you go into the world and your world is to say, let's say shoot commercials or shoot corporate videos or shoot films, right? And you go into that environment and you're kind and you're generous and and you're but you're also very very serious about the work that you're doing and you're very um protective of the work and and know what you want and you and you try really hard. <laughs> I think people have a positive reaction to that. And I think that that makes its way into the work and I think that um, I think there are like general principles at play in the universe. If you work hard <laughs> for something and I mean, obviously like, you know, we all have different opportunities and I've been super blessed to have um, 
have had some great opportunities in my life. But I do think it's something like, um, I mean, I was thinking today about, you know, like wishing for the shortcut, you know, like I still fantasize about getting the call tomorrow where it's like, oh, I've suddenly arrived and I don't have to worry about money anymore. <laughs> and I can, <laughs> uh, and I'll finally get to direct a, a real movie or I'll finally do this and then I'll be happy or I'll get to this level or I'll get to that. Like there's never, a, um, if you, the more you reward yourself for a certain way of thinking, the more you're going to think that way. Um, and part of the hustle and grind thing that can get to you is that if you make it about the networking, if you don't stop to smell the roses, let's say, I think, I think what I, I guess what I'm getting at is that in, in my view there, the whole, there being a secret to networking thing, isn't really how it works. Let's say, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, I think going out into the world and, and managing to pull off a certain level of work, if you can gather and I feel like it's, if you can gather enough work that's at a certain level, like people who know how hard it is to make that kind of work are going to respect it and uh, feel comfortable collaborating with you, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's, I think the networking thing is go get in the mix to the best of your uh, ability. You know what I mean? Go on social media and be a part of the community, you know? be um be involved go to conferences or go to uh you know share filmmakers that you like share their work or or follow them and like their like be one of the people in the mix and also make good work um and i think that that would be my advice is that if you can if you can simplify it to that because dude making good work uh especially if you're in in this hometown Hollywood thing where you're not, you don't, you oftentimes don't have a lot of resources. Yeah. Um, and you're competing with people who are making, you know, films that cost 10 times as much. Um, and not that you're competing with them necessarily, but like you want to earn your way into that. You know, I still feel like I still all the time feel like I'm just waiting for someone to give me my shot in, you know what I mean? To let me in the door to go. <laughs> to go, uh, you know, play with the big kids, you know? Um, that's interesting. I still feel that way in a sense, you know? And, and I, I think there's people that feel that way about where I am and the work that I do now, you know? Um, Raise his hands in the back of the class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if you're lucky enough, you'll, if you're fortunate enough and you are gracious enough and grateful enough that your chances are that you're probably going to be doing this for decades and that what can you do to enjoy the process and make quality work while you're figuring out the, you know, 11 trillion other impossible tasks of trying to manage a, a career in the film industry in the year 2020, you know? Yeah. I think that's really good advice. Uh, instead of just constantly trying to invite yourself in the, community that you want to be in just be a part of the community and do really good stuff and I th that's, yes that seems to make a lot of sense you can sit around all day and ponder why people aren't reaching out to you but what you really need to focus on is what does your portfolio look like you know what i mean which is like it if that's what you're if that's what you're in it for you know what i mean yeah um i think a lot of times like I didn't even really like count the cost of what a 
cinematographer's lifestyle would do to my family. You know what I mean? And now I'm, now I'm having to sort of configure this life where I have enough time for my family, but also I'm able to uh, make all the sacrifices and pushes that I need to in my career. You know, it's, um, it's, it's complex. (laughs) You said at one point that you were contemplating moving to LA because that seemed like the thing to do. Uh, What is your why for being in uh, Lafayette and making things happen there? Well, I mean, so my wife and I are both uh, natives of Abbeville, Louisiana, where we still live. And we, my wife, we have four kids and we live next door to my in-laws and my wife has a built-in support system and uh, it's home. You know what I mean? It, in it's definitely my kid's home. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid cause we were missionaries, but this is where we, um, settled 23 countries or when something we came like back. That. Yeah. Well, I, I'd, I'd only, I'd visit, yeah, I visited 23 countries, but I've, uh, I'd lived only in, in Mexico and Micronesia as a kid. And then we settled back in Abbeville when, when I was nine years old and, um, sort of have been a member, like been living in this community ever since, you know? And so this is sort of where I'm from, you know, (laughs) this is where my family's from and it's not exactly a great, I mean, I I feel fortunate enough that, that movies had sort of touched it enough to like open a pathway for me to, to get into the industry. Um, But for a long time for me, I think it became really clear to me a couple of years ago that like, Oh, I have to get to LA. Um, And then that, sort of like built up and it wasn't really, it's not really like a practical thing for my family to do right now. Um, and so I've had to sort of like, I think I've just had to make it work while living in a, in a, what I call like a non-market for filmmaking. Right. Um, where like, I basically have to try and create opportunities for myself locally to, to do the kind of work that I want to do. There's no like organic demand for high end, uh, commercial work where I live. You know what I mean? Nobody's uh, asking for that around here. Um, I've been able to sell it to some people, but it's certainly not like a market demand that's driving my portfolio in Lafayette, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I think I think the real sort of heat on my, or the real sort of momentum that gathered for me was on social media and traveling to do cinematography work and, and uh, networking with people all over the country and and that sort of taking off. But now I'm, I'm sort of trying to re I'm right now I'm trying to fit together this whole sort of, I don't know. It's hard for me to have a vision of what the future of, of, of my career and my life is like, I think it could go in so many different ways. Um, I think that over the next few years, my focus is going to be trying to make indie films in South Louisiana where I live and trying to, be able to find at least some balance between having a family and having a career and, and being able to integrate the two of those things as best I can, I guess, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, a monumental, but awesome task. When I went to the workshop that you had for a Southern screen, we had a lighting workshop. Um, a lot of the time you spent basically just inspiring everyone there that, Hey, we can do this here. 
when I left your uh, six-hour workshop, I was just yeah. pumped, and I called all of my film friends. and like, we can do this. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> we can do it, man. It's real. Could you talk a little bit about that? Um, I feel like there's some kind of power in bringing something that's not really there. Like, I think there's there's pride in that as well to start your own hometown. I, th- I think what I've settled on is definitely trying to foster a community of filmmakers in Lafayette area, Acadiana, as much as possible. Um, I like, I definitely want to like make some movies with my friends locally and I want to be a part of the filmmaking community. I try and like uh, help out other filmmakers locally as much as I can. And, um, and I also like, I want people I think the the real challenge that's like sort of beyond my pay grade that I the the universe is going to have to sort of solve these problems for me is that there there needs to be enough work to maintain a career for a number of people, you know what I mean? Like it's an infrastructural thing to get to a certain you know like in order to to make a certain level of thing with gaffers and grips and uh, hair and makeup artists and like in Lafayette we we really do have the people now like I have enough people to go make a proper indie film using all local people and they're all very talented and beautiful wonderful people and what I think is happening is I think there are other directors come we have some really amazing artists in Lafayette who are making things you know and I I do feel like we're generally speaking like the world like Hollywood is being decentralized and uh, the major cities are being decent. I think we actually are on this like new wave of uh, film <laughs> where yeah. the the demand for for content is skyrocketing and also the ability so many more people know how to shoot movies now. So many more people know how to act so many like the knowledge has sort of been made free and available to everyone and that we're in sort of the midst of this artistic explosion where you have um, every right to make stuff as good as you want to make it Um, and that you can do that in Abbeville, Louisiana, if you want to, or you can do that in where are you in Texas, Beaumont, Texas, Beaumont, or Texas. wherever you are. You actually can. Like nobody's stopping you from making a good movie in Beaumont in the year 2020. If you can figure it out, if you can if you can work on the craft, that's the hard part, you know? The craft is the hard part. That's why I think everyone needs to be obsessed about the craft. I mean, I think you have to at least obsessed enough to to where you doing things at the level that you want to be doing them, I guess. And not only that, people are doing it. It's not theoretically possible. People are doing it, man. People all over. Some dude in Arkansas just bought a red on the internet and made a movie with his friends. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if the movie's ever going to make it anywhere, but he's doing it. You know what I mean? Like people are out there and then some of these people are freaks. Some of these people are talented. Some of these people are going to make incredible, you know, um, we're, we're like the best movies to be made haven't even been made yet you know movies are brand new so it's like um i don't know i think it's an exciting time to be a filmmaker and i don't think that you have to live in in hollywood i think that you need to make good good work and if you can make good work then you can make good work anywhere that's what i like about it is like basically if you can show the goods you know and i still dude i have so such a long way to go in my work you know like i that's the thing is that i really feel like i have 
um, I'm just, you know, I want to keep logging hours. I feel like I have so much to learn and so much to, to figure out so many things I haven't even experienced yet. You know, um, I feel like this career has this like sort of, it's like infinitely deep. You can't max out being a cinematographer. You know, you can't, uh, have done all of the things that can be done in cinematography. It's not possible. Uh, same thing with directing or same thing with, with any of this, you know, it's such a a fortune to be able to do this career at all, you know? And, and, uh, yeah. And the fact that I think, you know, you have people who are just willing to sort of like wiggle their way in from wherever they are, um, and try and do it. I think it's great. You know, I think it's, it's sort of like, that's like, you know, like I'm, I'm very much a product of like, um, what if I just got a 5d and and started making stuff, you know what I mean? And then that evolves and grows, you know? Yeah. The image of just being a wiggler and wiggle your way in. Uh, for yeah. some reason, that's... just keep wiggling, just keep going. <laughs> so you know, eventually somebody's get. I mean, and the thing is, I feel I feel very blessed. Like at, at this point, I think I've I've had a realization that it's kind of mine to mess up at this point. You know, I mean, I, I almost certainly I could definitely fail uh, at what I'm doing. That would not be a surprise to me. But um, I think that chances are, if I don't, if I don't fail, then then I'll be able to keep doing this for a while and and that's exciting one thing i i've heard you say and it goes along with some things that you talked about earlier is that um i don't remember where you had said it uh, but one day you just decided that you were an artist uh and i love that thought like at what point can you call yourself an artist and i realized that after watching your uh workshop uh, when you were like, okay, what do we see in this scene when we were setting up an interview or what could have potentially been like a dialogue scene in the movie? Like, what do we see here that we like? I really like how that light is just in the back and you look for the beauty in what was just there. Um, and then as reading some of like your behind the scenes of I think Sunday Girl and Today You, Tomorrow Me, mm-hmm. of Chris Neal. Uh, I really loved that one. And then I heard that you, you you really think deeply into things that people may not even notice at the beginning. Like we're going to shoot with wider lenses at the beginning and then go tighter and tighter and tighter. Like I had to rewatch it to see it. That's one thing I really admire about the work that you do is you, you think about the art in it. And uh, when I watched the... Uh, film that you directed, the When It Matters Most. Well, yeah, When It Matters Most. Yeah. I had never come close to crying at a law firm commercial, <laughs> <laughs> and then I immediately showed it to my wife. Like, you have to see this, and of course, she sent like a bunch of those crying emojis back. Like, why did you send me this? Uh, <laughs> I loved it, but now I'm thinking about our kids. Um, I think that. Because I know that you're transitioning from being a DP to directing. Uh, Do you think that being a DP and looking for the art there helped you as a director in this film or future films? Or how would you describe that transition? First off on the artist thing, I I think just 
for a long time, I, for whatever reason, I didn't feel comfortable thinking of myself as an artist. I think I just was still figuring so much out that I didn't, uh, I didn't feel like I was actually being very expressive. I felt like I was learning how to copy other people's lighting setups basically. Um, and, and then I think I got to a point where I started to be a little more expressive in the work that I was doing. And I think I also just let go of whatever fear I had around calling myself an artist for whatever reason, uh, sounding pretentious or whatever. Um, or, or, you know, people being like, oh yeah, he's an artist, but he just makes stupid shit. I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, I think as I, I think an artist, thinking of myself as an artist is something that I've grown into and something that's actually been incredibly liberating. <laughs> um, because I feel like I have permission to do absolutely anything. You know, I can paint if I want to, I can, uh, make music if I want to. I can uh, have any idea that I that I want to, and I can. Um, I have the freedom of saying I'm an artist. I can do whatever I want, you know. <laughs> and also, to be honest, that's the thing. I think I realized that that's actually what I want out of this career is that I want to make beautiful work. You know, I want to make. Um, to me, the sort of nut at the center of the thing is to put my feelings into my work, you know? Um, and, uh, to make stuff that I get excited by, um, emotionally that I, that I care about. Um, and I think with that, what matters most is, you know, I've been wanting to make a, I've been wanting to make something about how much a dad loves his kids and the way that that love is sort of this, um, it's it's its own kind of thing and i'd been want that idea had been stewing as a long time and what i i've always just tried to find a director that could you know maybe do hey let's do this style thing let's do this style thing and find a director that did that kind of thing and basically act as the agency dp sort of weird thing and i think when i finally settled into directing this piece it was just felt very much like oh this is what i've been looking for <laughs> yeah. um is is direct i've been wanting to do this i think i've been not doing it because i don't i didn't think i would be very good at it <laughs> um and i think actually doing it and and sort of like just saying no i'm a director i'm gonna direct this and get a dp and and it was very very rewarding and very very um and it really was me actually putting my real feelings into the project. You know what I mean? Like it really was an emotional experience for me. And the, the girl in the commercial is my daughter and the other girl is my niece. And, um, okay. and it was like a really personal, um, film for me. <laughs> like, and I, it was, uh, I basically was, uh, the client had given me a budget to do whatever I wanted. So I did whatever I wanted, you know? <laughs> um, and that's, that's sort of awesome. what I sold them on was like, let me go do, you know, we're going to make a, a film about how much this, you know, this dad loves his daughter for a personal injury attorney. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it makes sense. I think it actually does work. I think that they're actually going to get clients from it. I think they're going to, I think their social engagement went up by something like 600% or something like that after the campaign. That sounds effective. You know, cause most, <laughs> most lawyers, most personal injury attorneys around the country aren't making engaging content. So if you go from you suddenly have content that's engaging. I think people are going to engage with it. I think I'm definitely on a journey 
and figuring all this stuff out. But I enjoy most being an artist. That's the thing that I enjoy most. And that's the thing, that's where I want to put my energy. And I like it's if you identify yourself as an as an artist, you know, which as kids, I think kids are very, very quick to identify themselves as artists, you know? Yeah. And then we sort of like we sort of like uh people talk us out of it as we age. Can't make money as an um, artist. <laughs> right. Although I had very encouraging parents and and I've never really, you know, my parents were never really like, I, I asked my, my dad was a, a lawyer turned missionary. Um, and I was, I was thinking about becoming a lawyer and he was like, no, don't do it. man. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're gonna to hate it. Um, so he, it was, they were good in that sense. You know what I mean? I've, I've always sort of been one to, I guess, march to the beat of my own drum or, you know, sort of like shoot for the stars has sort of been my, uh, I'm a big dreamer, big talker, big, always have some, some idea. (laughs) Um, and so I think, I think for me, like being able to focus my personality into the job of directing and to identify myself as an artist or as a DP, but really directing, I think like even on that, just doing that one job as a director, it was like the most, like a square peg in a square hole that I've felt um, at work in my life, you know, um, right. it it felt very very right, and I want to do it a lot more. <laughs> One thing I, I read in a book is that um, the most fulfilling things in life aren't usually something that you can. Well, it's usually something you, you don't you can't plan at the beginning, like someone who does. Yeah. Uh, programming may find something um, like very niche in their field that they love, but they didn't know they loved before. But you can't really do that until you spend hours like being on the cutting edge of what you're doing to find your spot. No, dude. I mean, I feel like I could have very, like there was a spot there in my twenties where it's like, I had no, I thought maybe I would sell insurance. Maybe I would become a realtor. Maybe I would become a lawyer. Maybe I would go back to college and become some sort of nurse. I had, I mean, I was the idea that I ended up actually to the point where now I'm, you know, making a go at being a film director, making a living as a cinematographer, let's say is, uh, a welcome surprise for me. I feel very, very grateful that 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 I ended up here of all the places, you know. Yeah. Um, and I really, I really love the work that I do. That's not a lot of people get that in life, and I for sure very grateful that I that I've I've had a good chunk of that now. I guess final question because I don't want to take all of your time. I know that you got four kids at home, uh, but. What are some final words of advice you would give to someone wanting to do what you do from home or maybe just DP, direct, whatever, something in the film industry? Um, Or would you recommend them moving to one of the big cities, moving to L.A., taking the jump? I think the real answer is, well, I mean, I think in terms of like one is just have patience and know that like – if you're using a camera and you're making videos and you want to be a filmmaker, you're like, and you're doing it at all. Um, then the hardest part is sort of is getting to the point where you sort of pull the trigger on doing it at all. Um, 
I would say that life's too short to not go for it if it's something you're serious about. I think that's the thing is that um, a lot of us would love the idea of being a successful cinematographer or being a successful film director or being whatever. There's a lot of really great ideas out there. There's a difference between the idea and then figuring out how to actually go pull it off. Um, And so I would say, are you serious enough about it to really go for it and to really push yourself and to really challenge yourself and to, I think having really healthy goals, like I need to make two things this year that I think are really good that are like really exemplary of the kind of work that I want to be doing. And I don't think that nobody, basically no one will ever hire you for work that you haven't done. (laughs) That's not how it works. Do you know what I'm saying? If I'm looking to hire someone who's a great cinematographer, I go find someone who already is a great cinematographer. I don't go find someone who has the potential to be a great cinematographer if they only had the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's you, you, you're you responsible for recognizing your own potential and then facilitating your growth in whatever way you can. And what I would recommend is that even on the corporate stuff that instead of complaining about it, spend the time and make a really nice book light. Spend the time and make a really nice shot. Spend the time and like really, it, if there's not someone on set who's actively convincing you to make it look bad, then do everything you can to make it look as good as you can. Because that's what a cinematographer does, you know? Um, So I would say take every opportunity, every time that you have a camera out, try and make it look as nice as you can. Don't give up on yourself so easy. And get an extra Um, five seconds and you're real, then go for it. Yeah. what I mean, like, and then you do that for four years, (laughs) you know? You, You just are always... And then what every once in a while you go for broke on something and you do a short film at a cut rate and you sling whatever deal you can and you you go make some stuff for your reel. Do some music videos for free. Do what you got to do. Everybody's, I mean, it's, it's, um, you're going to have to figure that part out for yourself based on the opportunities that you have. But I would say that the, the, the work itself is that's between you and the universe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the, how you engage with the work. Okay. I'm going to be shooting this interview anyway. I'm going to this bull corporate warehouse for a piping company that no one's, that I'm never going to show anyone. And I can just, begrudgingly take the camera out and get it over with and like, Oh my God, I wish I was doing something cool right now. Or hypothetically a meatpacking industry or something. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Or you can say like, man, what's a cool shot in here? Oh, what? Like you're going to spend the day anyway. You know what I mean? Spend the day making some movie magic. You got the camera with you. You got a sound guy with you. You got, maybe you got some lights. Maybe you got some, there's this, there's a 16 year old version of yourself that would have themselves to, be able to be running around with this equipment. You know what I mean? Try and try and be in touch with that version of yourself and try and, and try and get excited about the work. You know, that's because I, I really do believe that if, if you can do that, then, and you can manage to also scrounge together a living, then that's sort of like, you kind of got it mostly figured out at that point. You know, everything else is just lanyap as we say. And then also I do think it's important to caveat with, I, really uh, don't have it at all figured out. You know what I mean? Like I'm still 
taking it day by day. I have no idea what my, how, how, how this really works. I think we're all just figuring it out, you know? Well, I love it. I think that was inspired. I think you're just an inspiring person in general. So if someone wanted to follow you and keep up with what you're doing, uh, how would you recommend them do that? So hit me up on Instagram at JP, the director, um, vimeo.com slash JP summers. Um, and if you want to check out my JP, my DP work, you can still go to JP, the DP.com and help feed my four children. Um, and then I will say this, if I've inspired you to the point where someone's, you know, if you're listening and you're like, man, I really need to get this guy to come direct something. I'm really looking for directing opportunities right now. So I'm going to put that out there. JP, I want to thank you for your time and your infinite wisdom. I will say, like you had said earlier, if there are producers out there who want to make a film in Abbeville, Louisiana, there are people to do it. And uh, you should hit him up on that. You should watch Sunday Girl and say, wow, they did that there? And then think, oh, yeah, they've had a year or two to even get better and <laughs> progress. So uh, you can do great things at home, and JP is proof of it. And this is one reason why I wanted to have him on the show uh, so quickly. It'd be my first guess because he's making it happen. So thank you so much for being part of the show. And uh, thank you, Travis. We'll uh, keep in touch. Cue music. And that's it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please write a review and show some love. That'll really help this podcast grow so I can keep doing it. Uh, I hope this helps you do great work, be the artist you want to be, and help you not be afraid to jump in with both feet and make things happen in your film community. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share and spread the word with your film friends. Leave a comment on ways that I can improve as a host, because I know I'm not perfect. Uh, not even close. <laughs> what you liked about the show or questions you would like answered from future guests because we've got a couple exciting guests already lined up. Stay tuned for our next awesome guest on the Hometown Hollywood podcast. But if you can get, it's Alexandra Streliski. I'm onto that right now. That's sort of, someone put it in their Instagram story and it's like contemporary classical music that's really, really good. Uh, the whole album, Inscape, I in S-C-A-P-E is really beautiful. That's sort of been my like driving music, I guess. Like if like if you're taking a bath and you're sad and you put that song on, it's over, bro. <laughs> <laughs>